On this week's episode, we talk about Bloodborne finally leaving the PS4 in two forms, a Zelda movie in the works, some updates on the Bungie situation, Insomniac's plan for Spider-Man going forward, our predictions for the Game, Game Awards Game of the Year nominees, and more. All that tonight, but first, on to that beautiful bean intro. Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, Episode 5. I am your host, the man whose Orange Box Podcast movie adaptation will be played by Garrett from the show community, Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me is the man whose Orange Box Podcast movie adaptation will be played either by Donald Glover or Idris Elba. My co-host, Justin, better known as I am Zaracon. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> now, if, you, if you've ever watched, I, I, I'll be clear. I'm not talking about when I say my adaptation will be played by Garrett from Community. I'm saying the actual character in Community, <laughs> not the actor who plays the character. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know if he can grow facial hair or not, so if he can't, he'll, he'll probably have to just, like, put a fake one on or something, but, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today, Justin? Ah, uh, it, it, it was busy today, but you know what? I'm here, you know, and it's good to talk about some games and stuff, so, yeah, not bad, not bad. How are, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing pretty well. It's... Thankfully, it's been less busy over the past week, uh, but oh, that's great. But still, it's there. There's enough going on to where it's going to be interesting to see how everything goes over the next few days. So, there's that. <laughs> so, uh, what have you been playing over the past week? Ooh, okay, I, I'm gonna have to be honest. Uh, this past week has been kind of slow, just because I've been busy, but. Uh, I've been playing some Stardew Valley. That's something that I've been playing just to uh, unwind something, just to relax after a long days at work and stuff. Um, I've been, I haven't really had any sort of goal playing it, but um, sort of focusing on trying to get some of the chief of the achievements that I haven't gotten so far, and so that would require me to start going through mines and getting some artifacts for the museum. But um, yeah, that's pretty much for there, and then yesterday or as of when this video goes out on tuesday uh i was playing uh some total war shogun with uh my friend again we made some progress and we finally took over the capital of japan uh unfortunately what we didn't realize is the fact that we have to conquer a total of 40 provinces um no i'm sorry a total of 60 and we only have 41 <laughs> So we have to now wage war with the rest of Japan. Uh, there, are, there are only two other clans left. Well, three other clans left. But uh, they are rather large at this point since we're in the end game. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that turns out. All right. Any progress. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely sounds interesting. Surprised not to hear any Sekiro this week. 
Oh no no Sekiro I I I wanted to get back into Sekiro but I just felt so tired after getting off of work gotcha. and whatnot. I felt that especially since I'm right at the boss fight mm. I did not have the mental energy to think about how yeah. I was going to have to play. Understandable. I I can definitely get that. Makes sense. But I but mean next week though. Right. Yeah. For sure. I I'm sure you will. Uh, you're you're not like me where. You fall off and then you keep making excuses not to go back and <laughs> all that stuff so well that's cool so as far as what i've been playing over the past week um there's been several games not nearly as many as last week but um i did go and play some more red dead redemption 2 and i actually finished it completely um got all the way through uh, not only chapter six but both parts of the epilogue um None of the footage that I'm going to show in here is going to spoil any of that. It's just some some general footage um, that's close to that, but it's not actually getting into the story stuff. So it won't won't have any spoilers at all. But um, I really really enjoyed it. I thought that um, the way I, the, the the main story's ending was already really good, and like I I I had. A, a basic idea at least of some of what would happen just based on characters that are not around in the original red dead redemption or you know characters you encounter later things like that um but i i definitely i felt like it was handled really well and it was a good way to uh set things up for the next game but then you get into the epilogue and um the epilogue does an even better job. It like really bridges the gap really well. Basically um, answers a lot of like the hanging questions that are left after the end of the main story. Um, And really just, it just helps to bring it all together. And um, of course, following that, I decided that I would go ahead and start playing Red Dead Redemption, the first one. So I, playing that on switch and the footage that'll be shown here is actually um in handheld mode so you'll be able to see an overhead how it looks on the oled screen and everything um looks great i i've enjoyed what i played so far um the one gripe i have with the game is it's relatively minor but it's that uh, you know usually when you switch from one console to another you'll have Um, either they will switch all of the buttons to, well, I should say when you're going from like Xbox, Xbox controls to, to switch, usually they'll, they'll do one of two things. Either they will switch all of the buttons so that the, uh, the button prompts are exactly the same as they were in the first game. I mean, in the other version. So like A will still be A, B will still be B and so on. And, but it'll just be in different positions because of how it's laid out on the Switch versus how it's laid out on the Xbox controller. However, I, or, I mean, and if they don't do that, then they'll do what I think is the better thing to do, and they'll change the button prompts to match the positions of the buttons. So, like, something that would normally be mapped to A will be mapped to B, and so on and so forth. Um, this one, they did that for most functions, but there's a few functions where the functions are normally mapped to Y on the Xbox controller and X, and it's just it's just those two buttons really where where they have those the mapped mapped differently. 
and they will have like some some functions like getting on your horse is mapped to X, which is mapped to Y on the Xbox controller, so it's the same position. But then things like when you are, um, if, if you lasso um, like a bounty or whatever, normally you would hog tie them, pressing the X uh, would be the X button on the Xbox controller, which would be Y on Switch. But on Switch, they still have it mapped to the X button. So the muscle memory is throwing me off really badly. And and even though there are differences in the controls, um, like the, the controls are more expanded in Red Dead Redemption 2, as an overall, they're, they're similar enough to where it didn't feel like it was a big jump. I mean, you know, like a big, big switch over going from one to the, going from the newer game to the older game. Um, but it's just, it's just like those, those couple of, it's just that one thing. And like my, my thing is, is whenever I have the option to capture an enemy and then take them back to turn them into the police, I do that rather than just killing them. Uh, because that's just, that's how I, I prefer to play the game. Mostly because like in the first game you have an honor system. So if you, uh, um, if you kill an enemy, ver- I mean, if you capture an enemy versus kill them, it raises your honor in the positive direction. Whereas if you kill them, it lowers your honor and you become more, you know, it's basically a good and evil system. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the one gripe I have with it. The controls in some ways are a little looser than they are in the second game. Um, but overall, I still really enjoy it. The only reason I didn't play as much as I probably would have otherwise is because it's the kind of game where I feel like, especially considering how long it's been since I first played the game, I really need to pay attention to it. Um, because now that I have the full story of 2 and know all the stuff that happened before, it definitely changes the events of 1 in understanding you know, all the background of what led up to this. So... Um, I haven't played it as much because a lot of times in the evenings, my wife and I will put on like, um, right now we're going through Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and um, so, you know, we'll have that or some other funny show that we can just listen to because we've already watched it before, and that's one where it's like, I can't listen to the show and the game at the same time, it just, at least not when I'm doing story stuff, so I ended up... uh, Deciding to just play some other stuff for now, and like I'll I'll touch more on Red Dead when I have like times that I'm that we're doing our own things completely. So, um, but what I did end up playing um, since you gave me that code, I decided to play some Katamari Damacy Reroll, <laughs> and um, I, I played it just on the Steam Deck, and I I actually own the original on PS2 just because I, I bought it from, from someone at a garage sale, and I played a tiny bit, but that game's controls are so wonky. It's, I mean, I mean it's like, I, I find the game hilarious, and, like, like when, when you get a good rhythm going, if, if you can actually, you know, gather up, you know, roll up a, a decent ball, you know, picking up all the stuff in the environment, then it can be, it can be pretty funny, um, but it's just the controls are so difficult even if you put them on the simplified controls um it's still just like it's hard to wrap my brain around and i think the problem what makes it more difficult is that you can't you can't look at the you can't pause a level and look at the controls at any time 
you you can only look at them when you're outside of the scenarios and so it just it ends up making it more difficult to actually like really get into but it was more just kind of something that was like you know it's a it was a free game i've this is a game i've wanted to play for a long time and i wanted to give it another chance and i probably will still try from time to time my kids find it hilarious when they when they watch me play so um there's that at least um my son was asking me before we started if um when we got home from uh from church this evening that he was asking me if i could uh play that game with with the green guy who who makes <laughs> who makes stars and um and it plays funny music <laughs> that's, that's an accurate description yeah i mean it, it is it is it's a very accurate description yeah i mean i i do want to give it a fair shake and i i just need to like really take some time to learn the controls i might just need to like go into basically the tutorial for the controls and just spend some time practicing because I mean, I, I think that it won't necessarily fix the problems with the controls because it is just so wonky on that front, but it stu- still could at least help me to kind of uh, get my brain more wrapped around it and at least kind of get a muscle memory going for it. So, um, But apart from that, of course, I- I'm not going to show any gameplay footage, but I, I did play a little bit of uh, Outer Wilds, just you know, once again trying to get that achievement trying it from a different location, seeing if that makes any difference. Um, but I also decided I wanted to play a little bit of Destiny 2. So I actually, um, I mean, I played maybe like hour, couple hours, um, partially just because, you know, all this, looking at all this stuff about Bungie and knowing that the season that's going to be starting pretty soon, I, I don't remember when it starts, I think it's maybe next week. Um, is going to be longer than usual N- helps me to know that I should also have more time to actually get caught up. So I decided I wanted to play that for a bit. And, um, you know, I keep having this this thing with Destiny. The core gameplay is really fun, but I also just feel overwhelmed because there's just there's so much stuff to do in that game. And... It's funny, I think even though there's technically, theoretically less to do in this game than a game like Starfield, Starfield doesn't feel nearly as overwhelming to me. Most, I think mostly because Starfield's not continually expanding. I mean, yes, there will be expansions eventually, but um, even though there's technically a thousand planets, most of them are completely optional. I mean, you can avoid them because they're largely procedurally generated anyway. Whereas Destiny, it's like, yes technically almost all the content is optional but because of how long i've been playing there's so many things i still want to do in the game so it ends up being a situation where i'm just like spinning my wheels like i'll i'll just work a little bit on one thing or another like i just kind of started the um some of the seasonal um activities and that sort of thing and some of the seasonal story stuff but yeah, so Destiny 2, um, but then the thing that I've been playing a bunch over the past couple days is Ghost Runner 2, so um, <laughs> I um, I finally was able to, I mean, you know, like I made some decent progress in it, um, 
I don't know exactly how far I am through the game. I want to say I'm at least halfway through. Uh, at least looking at how long to beat, they're saying about 14 and a half hours for a completionist, and I'm definitely not doing completionist because I'm not getting all of the... Um, I'm not taking the time to go track down all the collectibles that I've missed. I mean, I may do that eventually, but like, there's no way I'm ever going to get 100% on the achievements because there's an achievement to get through an entire level without dying, and that just that will never happen for me. It, I mean, like, it's... I just don't even see how that's possible. Because even even if I manage to perfectly execute, like, killing enemies without getting killed, there's always going to be platforming mistakes that I make, and so on and so forth. It's just... I love these games so much, but I know that there's no way I will ever get through an entire level without dying. It's just not going to happen, so... But... What was really cool is that I finally made it to the motorcycle portions. And um, I tried recording some yesterday and I ran out of hard drive space while I was recording. So I, but I, I just, I, I cleaned up some space and then moved the, um, the saved location to a different spot and ended up recording some footage this evening before I went out. And there was this, incredible boss fight um, while on the motorcycle fighting like this giant mechanical sandworm thing I, it was it was just incredible like genuinely I mean this this game already has some incredible um, fights and um just the overall level design is really great, and I love all the different platforming things, even though sometimes they're infuriatingly difficult. But it's like, it's always satisfying when you get through it, when you get that right fluidity of motion and taking out enemies just right and everything. And as I've said before, this game is fair in how it um, you know, lets you respawn immediately from a checkpoint. And this, this boss fight was just... It was unbelievable. Like, I, I can't even express it. I, ha I have the footage of it playing right now, and I I might even just let it uh, run a little long this time just because I really want to show how great it is. Um, but yeah, it's such a great game. I... Like I was, I when I when I first really started doing the bike stuff, I I, I should back up a little bit with that. So when I first started doing the bike stuff, um, well, for one, I realized that trying to play, trying to steer the bike with the mouse and keyboard was not working very well. Um, and I mean, it occurred to me like later, like today, after I had already switched to using a controller because the controller is just a lot easier for for moving vehicles. Um, that I could that I think I already have a button mapped to my mouse that would function as shift does. So then, because the, the issue I was having was trying to boost off of start getting lined up properly and boosting off of certain platforms. Um, I was having difficulty doing that because I couldn't hold the A key and the shift key at the same time without having to like mess around with some other stuff. And so um, that's why I switched to a controller in the first place. And, um, Where was I going with this? Oh, so, and the other thing is that, like, as I was, there was certain um, enemies that were popping up as I got on the bike, and these were just, like, initially 
this is all there was. It's like some of those enemies that they're they just run at you and explode immediately. I don't know what what I, I don't know what they're actually called in this game. I don't remember, but um, I always I'm trying to think. What are they called in um, Destiny? Uh, Glebes or Grebes or I can't remember. Anyway. The point is, is that there's there's a bunch of these enemies coming at you, and when you're riding the bike, you don't you can't you can't just kill them normally. And so like I'm trying to avoid them, and and there's a few sections where like okay, I I managed to figure out the right you know way to get through to avoid them. And I figured okay, that's just what I have to do for all of them because Ghost Runner has a lot of things like that where you have like a narrow window to get through certain areas. And then I got to this one point where. There's a bunch of these things. They're all blocking my path. And I'm just trying to see. There's, there has to be some way through them. And I couldn't figure it out. And so then I'm randomly pressing buttons on my controller. And I discover that I have a gun on the or on the, on the bike. Oh, no. And it's like, I didn't even know this was there. I don't think the game told me. And if they did, I, I completely missed it. It wasn't displayed on the controls. And so once I figured that out, I was like, oh, okay. If that makes sense. It's like, <laughs> now I can get through this part and... You know, um, I mean, you, you can only fire it for so long before it has to, uh, before it has to cool down a little bit and then reload. So you, you know, use it kind of sparingly to a degree, but um, it definitely is. It, it, it was something that, like, I couldn't believe I, I didn't figure that out initially, and um, yeah, I man. I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm just going to let this footage play for a while. I'm not even going to show our faces for a bit because I want to show this boss fight, especially when you get inside the worm. And um, I apologize for anyone listening to this um, that there are... I mean, this is kind of a spoiler, but I mean, you're, you're not... I don't know. I, I, I should have said spoiler warning, but whatever. It's it is what it is. It's it's not it's not a game where you're worried as much about the story. It's more just kind of like, oh, okay, this is uh, you know, cool stuff. I'm I'm looking at the gameplay footage like right now because I'm just like, ah, oh, that's so much fun, so much fun. And it didn't even take. Thankfully, it was one of the few situations where the boss fight didn't take as long as some of the other ones have. You, usually, the boss fights take me multiple tries, and uh, because they don't. At least the ones in the first game didn't have a lot of checkpoints throughout the fight. Sometimes you, you'd get like three quarters of the way through and then have to start over from the beginning because because of just the way the boss fight was designed. But this one has a lot more uh, checkpoints throughout. So, anyway. Um, yeah. I'll just I'll let this footage keep playing for a bit, but... That's that's pretty much been my week as far as gaming goes, and I'm definitely gonna stick with Ghost Runner probably until I completely finish it. So, so are you um going to sort of alternate between controller and mouse and keyboard? Yes. As far as, okay, because the the combat is way easier with mouse and keyboard, um, yeah. particularly with you know like aiming the shurikens or um, you, you know any any projectile type attacks. Um, and it's also easier when it comes to um, just like uh, turning the camera and that sort of thing, especially what, when you when you have when there's a lot going on. I did play some of it on the Steam Deck. Um, I came across one area where there was a lot of enemies and stuff and a lot going on, and it did chug quite a bit, which was unfortunate. 
Um, I'm not sure if it's something that would happen all the time without going back to that level and checking it out again. I couldn't say for sure. But then I played quite a bit after that today because it was just like, okay, I just want to play a little bit during my break and I don't want to have to keep switching the cables back from my work dock to my desktop in order to do it. So I was playing a bit on the Steam Deck and it was fine. Um, mostly st stuff on the bike, but I, it wasn't really chugging for me at that point, you know, still doing the pretty consistent 40 FPS. Um, and, um, but then I also did some streaming from my PC to uh, the Steam Deck, and then I also tried streaming to my phone. Both worked good for the most part, but was really weird is just randomly, um, like when I'm in one of the menus for selecting upgrades for my character, it would, the the joystick, uh, the, the cursor for the joystick would go over like a little more than halfway across the screen and wouldn't move over any further, like it hit an invisible wall. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a joystick drift or anything like that. It's just like I'm moving it over trying to get to one of the upgrades so that I can apply it to my, to my Ghost Runner and um, it just, it won't move past that certain point on the screen. It was really annoying. And it's only doing that when I was streaming it. So, um, I don't know if it's, I, I've, I've occasionally had issues with the streaming. I'll just get random weird, weird, odd things. Usually like the performance is really good. I'll get 60 frames, high quality visuals, no problem. But it's just the other aspect that I was having issues with. So I don't know. Yeah. Great, great game. That's that's about all I really have to say. <laughs> all right. So you got anything else you want to uh, mention before we start talking the news? Um, I guess just one question because I, after hearing it now, I'm very curious. So would you say that it's fine to just go ahead and play Red Dead One, then two, or should someone play two before one? So, it's a little hard to say. Um, I, okay, so here's what I would say. If you can, if you don't think you're going to be bothered by going back to inferior visuals, because obviously the first game does not look as good as the second game, nowhere near as good, then I would say play the second game first. Um, just focus on going through the story. Don't worry too much about doing all any side stuff. I mean, like, you can do side missions and that sort of thing. The stuff that comes up on the map, you know, encountering strangers and helping them with stuff. I think that stuff's worth doing. But, like, a lot of the optional things, like getting food for your camp and, and so on and so forth, not that you shouldn't do that at all, but don't waste a bunch of time doing that because it, you can skip a lot of it and still get through the game just fine. Um... But, uh, yeah, I, th I think just the story impact that you get from experiencing that whole thing, it's so dramatic that, um, that I feel, I feel like you, you just, you miss out a lot. Now, that all being said, the first game story, if you play that and you never play two, you're not going to be missing out entirely. Um, because the first game, I absolutely loved it when I played through it. 
and I played through it 2011 or 2012. Um, and I just feel like, though, that going into it now after playing all the way through 2 has really already started to enhance it, and I barely started the game. But I just, I just feel like knowing that there's going to be encounters with these characters that were in the first game and everything else just kind of really brings it together in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious because I haven't played either of the games mm -hmm, yet, and I just right. really want to know what would be a good point to start if it was something like, say, Star Wars, where you can watch the original trilogy before, say, watching right. the prequels, or if it's exactly. some people say, uh, play Yakuza 0 before you first play the first game, even mm -hmm. though that game was released way later after the first game. So right. I just want to hear your opinion on that. Right. I mean, and technically you can do both. It's just, I feel like from a story standpoint, at the end of the first game, I think it's going to be harder for you to want to go back to the second game. I mean, to want to play the second game right away. Whereas if you're doing the second game first, it's much easier to want to play the first game after that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those things where it's it's hard to say much without spoiling anything. And I just I don't want to spoil it because there's significant stuff that happens in both games. And depending on where a person starts, they may feel differently about the second game than I did in terms of, you know, just things that happen with characters. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the news. So, uh, first of all, of course, you know, we did mention that Bloodborne is finally leaving the PS4, but it's not in the way that people want it to. <laughs> so, the first way that Bloodborne is leaving PS4, it's coming to PC in the form of Bloodborne Cart. And uh, it's basically, someone had done a demake of Bloodborne with basically PS1 visuals, and they decided to make it into a kart racing game. And that's coming out next year. I believe they said January 31st. Um, as far as I know, it's just going to be PC because it's just a fan-made game. It's not, you know, not in any way official. I'm hoping that they're not going to run into any issues with, like, Sony trying to uh, get them to, to not distribute it. Um, I really hope they don't because it looks fantastic. Like I, I haven't even played Bloodborne and, uh, it looks, looks like a ton of fun and yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I what are your thoughts on, on Bloodborne card? Yeah, uh, it definitely is very funny to see. And I, did play a little bit of the demake uh some time ago oh, okay um i thought it was definitely interesting it, of course it felt a little awkward and janky just because it's sort of emulating the original style of the ps1 mm -hmm. uh, so so there was that awkward controls there but i do appreciate the fact that there was still that at the core a bloodborne experience and mm -hmm. It really just made me want more. And there was even another Bloodborne. This one was more of a 2D, sort of almost like a Zelda-style oh, okay. uh, game. But someone made a version of that. Hmm. But definitely with the Bloodborne demake, I was 
thinking, mm, this is the closest we're going to get, isn't it? <laughs> but hey, we're getting a pure exclusive. All right, Bloodborne Cart. All right, we're going to be being our hunter going in through the nights, okay? <laughs> you can't get that on PS5, okay? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I think I actually would, would play this. I mean, like, I... Blood, Bloodborne is one of those games that, like, I was never really interested in, mostly just because initially I wasn't interested in, in Dark Souls because I played a tiny bit of Demon Souls. Like, I played maybe 15, 20 minutes on the PS3. And, I mean, like, I didn't die or anything. You know, I barely got through the beginning introductory thing. But it was just the environment I found so dark and depressing that I just didn't want to go back to it. And then once after I bought into the hype on um, Elden Ring and then got into that, then I decided to actually give Dark Souls a chance. And now I'd be willing to give them a chance if I ever actually complete one of the Soulsborne games I already have because so far I just <laughs> haven't done that yet and I don't want to buy more if I'm not even going to complete the ones I have. It's like, you know, I, I tried out the demo of for Liza P that came out um, earlier this year. Runs great on Steam Deck and um, I, I didn't get through the boss, the actual boss of the demo. Um, but I, and I, I liked what I played. It just basically felt like Dark Souls with a, you know a different spin, um, but once again, it's I I can't start another Soulsborne when I when I haven't even finished one of them, and it's not through any fault of the games necessarily. It's just I fell off of Dark Souls because I got my Steam Deck and wanted to play Elden Ring on there, and then I fell off of Elden Ring uh, for one reason or another, probably just getting frustrated at certain bosses and then eventually just deciding that I wanted to play something else. Um, you know, any variety of reasons, and I just haven't really gotten back to either, though I've tried a couple times. Um, but yeah. So yeah, Bloodborne Cart, I think it looks cool. Um, I'd probably check it out. And I definitely... I'm sure that it's a game I would appreciate significantly more if I had played Bloodborne, but... I'm not going to get Bloodborne on PS4. If I get it, it will be when it comes to PC. Because I still believe it will. <laughs> I, I haven't given up on that yet. Even, even if it's not necessarily something I care about a ton, I just can't see Sony not doing that. Although, I did find doubt, and I didn't realize this before, that Japan Studio was involved with Bloodborne. And of course, Japan Studio is gone now. I mean, that shouldn't matter because Japan Studio was their first party studio and it's not like, oh, Japan Studio owns the rights. I mean, it's from software that they would have the rights and Sony would have the rights. So it's just a matter of them actually, you know, getting from soft to fix the game so that it runs at a higher frame rate and slap on some high res textures or at the very least um, just uh, just do some, you know, upscaling. And or get Bluepoint to do it. Yeah, like exactly. With, uh, right. Demon Souls remake. Yeah, they could do that. But I mean, the the only thing about Bluepoint doing it is that Bluepoint, you know, like that game doesn't need a remake though, because I mean, like the games that they've remade in the past have all been games that were PS2 games, or um, well, I think let's let's see because they did, well, I guess PS2 and PS3 because they did uh, Shadow of the Colossus and then they did, um. What you call it? Demon Souls. 
Um, but I mean, maybe that is what they have in mind. I just I have a feeling that they're going to shoehorn in the ray tracing, and you know, or what a, you know, PS5's version of ray tracing that's not quite. Um, it's not as good as what you can get on PC, obviously. But ray tracing is, as we've discussed previously, something that I think is very detrimental to gaming. Because it looks pretty, but it doesn't matter. And it just makes the games run worse. And then we keep ending up with 30 FPS, pretty looking games. And that's that's not the direction we should be going. Anyway. Gives you no tactical advantage whatsoever. Exactly. That's a wise man in a Metal Gear game said. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, so, but the other way in which Bloodborne is coming is still not a port, obviously. Um, it is that there is apparently a Bloodborne movie in the works. And um, I'm trying to figure out why they think this would work better as a movie than just a remaster on PC and PS5. I mean, like, I, I'm sure the lore is really interesting in this game. Like, I don't have any doubt about that. But the thing about these these types of games, what makes them so popular is the gameplay. It's not the story. Now, people who, uh, you know, really get into the lore, they really like the lore. But that shouldn't be the folk. I mean, I mean it's like, I mean, it, these games are famous for their environmental storytelling. And when you start making the focus about just telling the story and not having any of the other aspects, I don't know. I I just I so when they did the remake the movie for Uncharted, that is not a good representation of the games. Now I thought it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I I just took it as what it was that it was. A different story, a different adaptation of the characters. Even though I thought Mark Wahlberg was probably the worst choice that they could have picked for Scully because he's so far off from what Scully is in the Uncharted games. Um, you know, I, but then you had uh, Tom Holland play Nathan Drake, and while he's definitely pretty far from what Nathan Drake is supposed to be, because Nathan Drake is basically Nolan North. Um, he's. I mean, he he did fine. Like of of the two, he he was the better of them. Overall, I, I don't. I I feel like basically they just they took some set pieces that were in the Uncharted games, and it worked. Like it was it was decent enough. Um, I, I like I said, it was it was a fun popcorn flick, and it wasn't preachy or anything. You know, it was just just a fun movie. So that was that was good enough for me. Um, but anyway, your thoughts on the Bloodborne movie. Why does this exist? Why does it need to exist? Uh, that's the primary thing I have in my, in my mind. And as you mentioned, Bloodborne is an environmental storytelling game. Um, mm. And that's one of the reasons why. The only game that FromSoft... Well, modern Soulsborne-esque game. Because from software's older games, they have had stories in them. But as far mm -hmm. as once they did Demon Souls onward, it's been primarily uh, environmental story 
tough. Mm-hmm. The only one that deviated from that was Sekiro. That one was the only one where you actually play as a set character with a very specific skill set uh, mm-hmm. and move set and no customization. And the story actually was a more forefront aspect. But as you mentioned, the gameplay was still there. Right. With a game like Bloodborne, though, how do you expect to do... How do you expect to get all of that into, at most, a three-hour movie? Like, right. like you can't. Like, there's so much that goes into Bloodborne, mm-hmm. and even if you were trying to just look at one aspect of it, you would still have to, you know, fully get all that properly and try to adapt that into a film. That's that's a lot to do. Right. And even mention like the people who, like the screenwriter and. I think it was the director or it was the producer. The films they've done in are completely different from what you would get from Bloodborne. I mean, one did the screenwriting for a bunch of family films. Like you're gonna go from family films to a very depressing <laughs> and dark setting. Um, and as one person mentioned, that does just because you work in one genre doesn't mean you can't necessarily do another genre right. of of whatever work you're doing. I believe that's true. However, are you necessarily equipped? Um, and also, especially with screenwriting, do you even understand what a Soulsborne is or how to properly adapt that? Because if you're going to say, uh, I, I know this isn't, and this is something we're possibly going to get into a little bit later, but say if you go take, try to adapt a comic book you have to sort of understand what you're working with before you're going to try to adapt into, say, a film. The Dark Knight trilogy, or something like that. You have... There there's certain comic uh, stories in there that have been adapted. So, you, so uh, Christopher Nolan and his team, they went, they t- looked at the comics, they saw, okay, here's what the characters are, here's these specific stories. We have to understand how to make that work. How can you necessarily make... And, and that's sort of like a sort of thing. And, and actually, that's the key thing is to understand the source material. D- would the screenwriter have the time or even want to take the time to understand Bloodborne and understand why certain things are the way they are, what the themes are? Like, I feel like that's a lot to ask for, and especially for someone who might not necessarily have the same motivation or passion as someone else would. Um, so that's that's another reason why I feel like this isn't the reason why it shouldn't exist. I mean... It, Sony could really just make Bloodborne, port it to PS5, PC, do whatever you want, do do a port, but why make a film that no one asked for? No one asked yeah. for this, let's be honest, no one asked right. for this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I pretty well expressed my thoughts at this point, but hopefully, well... I, I also kind of think of this movie as, for, well, for one, it hasn't been officially announced. It's more of a report. And, you know, considering how often we've had these Vaporware movies, you know, mentioned, you know, rumored, whatever, and then nothing ever comes of them, or it takes like a decade, like it did with the Uncharted movie. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Hopefully, if, if it takes a decade for the Bloodborne movie to come out, Bloodborne will be on PC and PS6 by then. You know. 
So that's probably what's going to happen is it's it, they're going to realize that their ambition for putting it on PS5 with all the ray tracing and stuff is is not doable. So, well, actually, but then then they'll just they'll keep it at 30 frames per second and still force you to have ray tracing. But, you know, there will be people who will still buy it. Um. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, but speaking of movies, we did actually get official confirmation from Nintendo that a Zelda movie is in the works. So, uh, your thoughts on the matter? This definitely came out of left field. I was not expecting to hear something like this. And in fact, the last time I actually heard about a Zelda live-action film was back in ye old days of the t- of the mid-2000s around the time that Twilight Princess was out. And I remember seeing a trailer for The Legend of Zelda, and I was so hyped for it. But then I found out that it was just IGN doing their annual April oh, yeah. trailers. <laughs> but I still wanted to get that. And now, uh, years later finally getting that although i partially don't know how i feel about it now that i look at it because i feel i'm not sure if this is this thing where you don't necessarily know what you want until you get it or know if you even still want it once you get it right um now i haven't seen the mario film so i don't and and it's also animated so that is a completely different thing but i'm not certain how well something like this could be made into a film. I feel like this is something that actually could work as a live action film as opposed to say a Mario Brothers film. Mm-hmm. Cuz I feel like Zelda depending on like which one you use, it I like you definitely wouldn't want to use Wind Waker for a live action film. Right. But if you use something like Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess, that's something you possibly could get away with because you it's sort of a somewhat cartoonish but also still somewhat realistic you could mm-hmm. sort of get those elements and create your own live action film so i think it's definitely doable will it actually work out though i'm not certain um mm-hmm. so it would definitely have to be something that i would have to see a trailer before i make any conclusive judgments um but I, I definitely feel like it's the best one that we that I've personally seen, I, as far as uh, uh, live action video game films. I feel like that one probably could be the best one that I've seen so far. Granted, the only other video game adaptations that have been live action that I've seen have been Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To All right. Say, though I still say that Record Ralph is the best video game film. <laughs> Well, you haven't seen the Super Mario Brothers movie, so... Alright, so, f- before before I talk about my thoughts on the Zelda thing, um, you need to watch the Mario movie. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely worth it. Peach is a little bit of a girl boss, I will say that, but they still... They, they at least give some explanation for how she got to be where she's at. It's not like she's just naturally good at everything the whole time. Um, but even still, the movie is really well done. Like, it is... Of course, there's lots of Easter eggs in it, obviously, but... Um, 
the way that they they work with um, with Mario and Luigi, you know, not being voiced by Charles Charles Martinet. Yeah, I can't talk. Not being voiced by Charles Martinet. Um, they work it out, you know, because they're from Brooklyn, which is technically, I mean, that's actually the original story um, from the manual instruction manual. So, so some of the stuff is actually true to the original, the origins of Mario. And uh, Shigeru Miyamoto actually decided, I mean, initially Mario and Luigi did not have a last name, but after he saw the 90s Super Mario Brothers live action movie, <laughs> he actually decided that the canon last name for both of them is Mario. So Mario Mario and <laughs> Luigi Mario. Um, but yes, it's it's fantastic movie. It is really good, really funny, um, a lot of fun. Jack Black is incredible as Bowser. He he's definitely steals the show, but Chris Pratt does a good job as Mario. Uh, I think it's Charlie Day who plays Luigi. He does a great job. Um, I mean, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Well, he's he's still he's just Seth Rogen, and I, I can't stand the guy, but I can't stand Donkey Kong either. So it works out. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's legitimately great. That was the first movie my kids got to see in the theater, and they loved it. They loved it so much, um, especially like my daughter who loves Bowser, and uh, we got we got her a Bowser for Christmas last year, and she's <laughs> and. <laughs> now, now, I mean, once the movie came out, we we bought it, of course, immediately, and um, they've watched it several times, and they'll they'll act out scenes from the movie, and it's just you need to watch it, even if you just rent it, just rent it, check it out, and that's your assignment for next for, for next week, because I want you to watch that <laughs> if you have time. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the Zelda movie, uh, one of the first things I did actually forget to mention, I, at least I'm pretty sure I forgot to mention that it is a live action movie um which definitely is interesting um you know like you i saw that the ign april fools thing back in the day which looked interesting i'm i'm skeptical about it to be honest like i think that they can do it justice my biggest concern number one is that they're going to make link talk which that's that's the one thing I have a really hard time with. Like, it was okay for Mario because Mario talked at least a little bit, and so it was just kind of expanding on that. But Link doesn't talk at all. He just, you know, grunts and yells and stuff, and I just have a feeling that they're going to make him talk, and it's going to take away some of that magic. Um, but I do think that if they were going to do it I, I mean my guess is they'll probably do more of an original story but i'm hoping that maybe because of the fact that this is a more story focused franchise compared with mario that they will just take like ocarina of time because ocarina of time really has one of the best stories in the zelda games and because so many of the other games spring from that um, they really could just turn the game's story into a movie and there's enough cinematic elements already present in the game to where I think they really could make a fantastic movie if they if they tried. Because, um, I mean, Link does not have to talk at all. They, they can totally work around that. You know, having him nod his head when he's saying yes or shaking his head when he's saying no. You know, <laughs> ah! <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, 
I'm hoping that they do that. I don't believe they will. And obviously, I'll reserve judgment for whenever it actually comes out. I mean, there, there's been, like, rumors of, of Zelda stuff in the past, like of them doing a, a Netflix show, which obviously never happened. I think that it was a real thing and that, like, Nintendo even said that at one point it was a real thing, but they, they ended up canceling it. And now they're saying they're doing a live-action Zelda movie, and I don't know. Just gonna have to wait and see. That's that's really all we can do. I just hope that what, whatever they do, they pick one of the existing stories. Because there are some good stories in some of those games. Some of them are really meh. But, I mean, you have, you have Ocarina of Time, which is a fantastic story. Um, I think Link to the Past, which I've, I've never actually played all the way through. Oh, yeah. That um, I mean, Wind Waker, of course, obviously, that's one of my favorite stories. But the problem with it is that, you know, trying to turn a cartoon into a live action. When, when it says car- cartoony, and that's, a, that's like half the charm of, of the, the game is, is the cartoon aspects of it. But anyway, we'll just we'll wait and see what happens with this. Um yeah. So we have gotten some updates on the Bungie situation. And, you know, this is something. Uh, there's more to it than we thought. And we still don't have like official word from Bungie, but there's been a lot of stuff that has come up from employees talking to reporters, particularly like uh, Paul Tassi and. Um, Astacross, who's one of the biggest Destiny YouTubers out there. Um, and I, I took some notes on on things that were discussed with this, but um, did you have a chance to watch uh, the, the later video that I sent you? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. That definitely was a lot to digest in there. Right. There, there's a lot. That's why I had to take notes. But... Um, so l- let me just go over uh, some some of the notes I took, and then we can we can discuss from there. So um, when it comes to these layoffs, um, the the decision behind them, executive compensation was not an issue that they put on the table. So it wasn't wasn't something where there was even an option of executives making less money um, instead of laying people off. But they did give up; uh, they did uh, forfeit their bonuses for the year, which do you do? Um, then we, we don't know what the monetary amount was for that. I mean, it, it was probably a significant amount, but not necessarily enough to make up for... Uh, obviously not enough to keep people from being laid off. Um, internally at Bungie, no one, is, no one is blaming Sony for this. So, you know, as we stated last week, this was not a Sony decision. This was a Bungie decision. Um... The studio has kind of always been in, I guess, a position where they burn through cash a lot faster than um, than necessarily is good for sustainability, uh, which is part of the reason why when they were looking for a buyer, Microsoft uh, essentially said, "No, we're we're not we're not interested in buying you." Um, but. Um, Basically, if Sony hadn't bought them, they would have been in trouble as a studio. So, um, there's some other things that have, you know, we've, well, I don't think we discussed it, but it's been brought up, you know, that uh, 
Bungie bought a new building, had, had a new building uh, built, or at least started uh, putting together the new building. And uh, some people have suggested that maybe, uh, you know, that this is obviously just that this was an aspect of poor money management. But this was something that was actually uh, started before there was... Um, before these layoffs were even necessarily a thing, like back when things were still doing really, really well. And, you know, they had a popular expansion, lots of player engagement, all that. Um, there's also the $1.2 billion that Sony put down as part of the purchase price for retention of employees. And uh, that money could not have um, been used to avoid these layoffs at this late of a stage. Because basically it had already been allocated for other use. Um, particularly buying out employees' shares and those shares uh, sh shares of Bungie, which then went to Sony. Um, so, so essentially the money was already spent. Um, some other things is that uh, with the delay for the Final Shape expansion, um, basically what they are trying to do is they want this to not just be better than Lightfall, which was one of their wor was probably their worst full expansion, um, or at least the worst received of their expansions, but to really be above their best expansions. So um, they they listed in their explanation that they wanted to be better than the Taken King, which was Destiny One, it was Year Two of Destiny One, and is widely considered to be essentially the best expansion that they put out, at least for Destiny 1. Um, and then Destiny 2, both Forsaken and Witch Queen, which were also their two, their next two most popular expansions. Um, and I wouldn't say necessarily that like, they were less popular than Taken King. It kind of just depends on who you ask. But they're all consi widely considered by Destiny players, myself included, to be the best expansions that that Bungie has put out for Destiny 2, especially Forsaken, because Destiny 1's or Destiny 2's first year was really rough, and Forsaken was like their make or break moment and was stellar. Uh, but anyway, going back into the the other notes I took. Um, some of the cuts that they did were in relation to their PvP teams, and basically they wiped out their security team, which is probably not the best thing when you have a problem with cheaters. Um, their staff hasn't received any more information about long-term plans for Destiny, whether there's going to be, I mean, what they're going to do after Final Shape, or, you know, if there's going to be a Destiny 3, anything like that. Um... Although, as far as I know, there's not really any indicator that they're actually planning to do a Destiny 3. And um, then another final feature I just want to mention here is that um, the in-game LFG that is looking for group uh, that was previously announced as coming in Destiny 2 uh, was actually announced to the players before the devs knew it was coming. It's supposed to be coming. So... It's been having a lot of issues getting off the ground. It's not an easy thing to implement. And um, anyway, I know that's a lot to digest here. Um, I'll go ahead and actually I'll, I'll just post those that information for you in the chat so that if you want to 
review anything, it'll be easier for you to uh, see what specifically was stuff that I talked about. We don't have to talk about every single point, but these are just some of the general things that were covered. Yeah, I think definitely it's the, the entire summary of this could just be applied to management uh, not being, I guess for lack of better words, competent or doing what they necessarily need to do. Um, because how do you have so many things? I think one thing that I don't think you mentioned, uh, or, or I don't think I see here, is that um, how at one point uh, the devs actually came to management saying how they had concerns about player retention um i think yes, before that's, that's lightfall uh, right that yeah was mentioned mm-hmm. and how they said hey we don't think that this is a good idea and their ideas uh and comments were pretty much rejected mm-hmm. so there, there's definitely a whole lot of disconnect there um and and, and a lot of this you know it's really unfair because you know as you mentioned, um, there was money set aside to keep employees mm-hmm. way, uh, way before this happened. And what did management do? They spent that money that Sony gave them and used it on other things for buying shares uh, just to give back to Sony, which that's not why Sony gave you the money in the first place. Sony yeah. simply told you what to do with this money. Um, and then, you know, releasing uh, how do you release information to players before the devs the people who actually have to make the game like right you're going saying all right marketing team we need to do this stuff and then you're like how is that even going to work i mean especially if you're going to have sort of deadlines and stuff you you need to like work on this stuff in a pretty good time ahead of ahead of time um I mean, there's definitely a whole lot here to digest, but like l- after watching the video, after you know going through these notes, it, it really is just the he- the higher ups. Um, and sure, they didn't get their bonuses, but you know, maybe a lot of this could have been prevented if you gave more attention to what needs to be done. If you focused on what could. What, what, what you actually need to do and i do understand that there is a somewhat of a disconnect uh or, or that you you do need to have those two separate groups of having um developers and then having the business side of things however there does need to be some sort of synergy so that way both sides can either have some sort of compromise as far as how to get things done whether it be uh, easing up on the monetization or maybe not having things I guess be I don't know maybe be something be larger or because I mean I haven't played Destiny and I haven't and so I haven't played the expansions I don't know mm-hmm. how they work but I I guess just based on certain things I guess we know maybe things were a bit too large scale maybe they should have been reined back a little bit maybe that could have helped i don't know but there definitely has been a lot of mismanagement that even if and it's not just even one area it's multiple areas so there clearly needs to be some restructuring there right 
Yeah, I think one of the things that was said, and I didn't, I didn't make a note of this because I, I didn't get that far in re-reviewing the video, but um, one of the things is that with the Lifefall expansion, originally it was going to be, um, there's going to be more to it, and then they basically got told by management, you need to cut this down, something to that effect. They, they had like eight months to rewrite the campaign, and um, so it just... It ended up being what it was, you know, where it just it was it didn't work as well as it should have. And there are there were good things about the Lightfall campaign, or at least as as far as like uh, the new uh, subclass that you get, the new new set of powers. Um, you know, I think just about everybody who who has played it really likes the the new set. Um, they're really fun, but there's just all sorts of other issues. Um, I know what it's like to be bad with money, and so I, I definitely, I definitely see how this was definitely. I mean, this was an issue of them just not planning properly. They they basically they they spent the money before they should have, especially with the with the, uh, you know retaining employees. I think they basically just kind of treated it as though, well. We're going to be able to retain these employees because of this extra money we have. So we're going to spend the money on other stuff we need in order to improve the game, what have you. You know, it could very well be that some of it was just spent in ways that probably were not really the wisest way to spend the money. Um, you know, it could have just been invested in other things. It's, it's hard to say for sure because we don't have all the details. Um, but... You know, the fact is, is that they should have been able to keep these people on and it shouldn't have been something that they essentially burned through in a year. You know, s since they were bought by Sony. Um, and the whole issue with the executives, you know, basically you have the, the people, uh, as, as this was pointed out in the video, you have the people who took the risks in terms of what it was that they wanted to do with with this last expansion and you know took took risks in the decisions they made and none of those people are the ones who are suffering it's the people who developed the game who are suffering as a result of these poor decisions and there's just there's a lot of issues here it's it's not simple um you know i will say that I think that it's good that they're aiming to try and make this essentially the best expansion they've ever put out. And I I do think it's possible they could really do a lot. I mean, I guess at least the current state is the, the campaign's looking really good, but they want to do even more, make it even better. Um, and, you know, holding it up to the standards of Taken King, Forsaken, Witch Queen, I mean, those are the best expansions in Destiny. Without question, Taken King was incredible. I mean, like, Destiny, uh, the, the first year of Destiny was really good. But then they did Taken King, and it was absolutely phenomenal, like, on so many levels. And then with Destiny 2, when they did that first year, that first year was super rough. Like, it was... I, initially, I was playing a bunch because I was excited that it was on PC, because the first game was not on PC. And, you know, being able to play at 60 frames per second, all that, I was, you know, with a mouse and keyboard, it was like, yes, this is great. But at, but I fell off quite a, 
quite hard because it just wasn't nearly engaging enough and the changes they made from destiny one definitely were hurting the experience and i mean i didn't have a lot of people to play with on top of that so that just made things even worse but i mean the first year of destiny one i put in about 500 hours now granted this was almost all before i had any kids um so once my my son came around like three months before the end of that first year of me playing and at that point, then yes, my my uh, playtime definitely decreased quite a bit. But um, before that, you know, I, I put in 500 hours. With Destiny 2 Year 1, even though at that point I had two kids, I put in about 100 hours. So significantly less. And But then Forsaken came out, and... Uh, apart from the fact that I found a good group of people to play with, um, it was just so much better. Like they, they, it was literally the best that Destiny Two had ever been to that point, or well, that Destiny had ever been to that point. Like they, they made some drastic improvements. Um, really, especially just with how the guns worked and everything else, it was it was dramatic improvements over not just the first year of Destiny, but over what they had done all, all together so far. Even if it was missing a few things that were great in Destiny 1. Um, and then stuff following uh, Forsaken, like, you know, their seasons, th there was some good and bad, you know, like, none of it was, like, terrible, but um, it was so-so, a lot of it. You know, the other expansions I did, uh, which were Shadowkeep and Beyond Light, um, were, were good in a sense, but not great and then they did witch queen which was the expansion that came out in 2022 and that was another phenomenal expansion um and so it's like you know wanting to make this final shape better than these three top tier expansions is a good goal to have and i really hope that they can actually pull it off but obviously we've had the issue of you know, these layoffs and I mean, how's that going to affect the way that all this comes comes into play? Um, and I don't know. There's there's just there's too much to this. And as someone who plays Destiny a lot, I definitely or well, that has played Destiny a lot over the years. Rather, I'm hoping that things go better, and I'm hoping that Bungie can start making better decisions, especially when it comes to their employees. Um, but I also kind of believe that this is an issue that's just going to keep happening. And while some have suggested the idea is that we should just, they should just do another reset, do Destiny 3 so that they can get people engaged again. I think that if you do Destiny 3, you're just going to end up with the same exact problem that you've already had with Destiny 2. Um, and, you know, especially if you're getting rid of a bunch of content that was in Destiny 2... But if you don't get rid of the content that was in Destiny 2, then it's essentially pointless to have a new a new sequel, you know? So it's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's one of those things where, like, I, I just have a hard time with, with pretty much any of this, and I think that they need to figure things out. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Any other thoughts from you? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I, 
it definitely would be nice if the final shape could match up with the other uh, expansions, but I think that it's just a tall order mm -hmm. at this point. It would be great if it could match up, but as you mentioned, with all the layoffs, that's you're you're, you're gonna be hard pressed. I mean, especially yeah. when you pretty much wipe out nearly all of your security team. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure now Cheers are gonna be working. Well, they might not even have to work double time. Like they probably can just keep doing what they're doing since it's not gonna take much effort to try yeah. to beat them. Yeah, and just as a, a minor side note here, the the idea of getting rid of most of the security team that just seems like as someone who works in IT, I know how often like these higher ups they don't understand what it is how how important these roles are. At for a game like Destiny, where there is cheating that's so rampant, and they they were able to take care of a lot of it by putting in the security team and everything else. Now, I mean, them getting rid of the security team just says to me, this is higher-ups who don't understand how important this is. And I don't know how much of it is affecting in terms of their overall security versus just security of preventing cheaters. But I just... I cannot stand this stuff. It, it, it really bothers me when when these higher ups they just have no idea how important this stuff is you know not just not just to prevent cheaters but also security in general for your company you know phishing emails phone calls etc are just so incredibly prevalent you you don't get people going through this stuff i don't know i mean yes there's training that can help with that but Anyway, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. So let's move on to the next topic, which is an interesting topic, and I'm definitely going to ask for your thoughts on it before I say anything. But I will just give kind of a summary of uh, what we're talking about. So before I get started, I do want to say with we're going to be talking some about Spider-Man Two, the one that just came out for the PS5. Some of this may be considered spoilers. So if you do not want to hear what we have to say, I will make sure to put on the screen the timestamp of where we stop talking about this. We're not going to talk about the campaign. We're, we're going to do our best to go very high level on this and just basically talk, talk about the main topic of what it is that Insomniac has planned for Spider-Man as a character going forward. Um without getting into the actual story of the game and any other issues in general with, with Spider-Man 2. So, once again, spoiler warning. Potential spoilers. Like I said, we're going to keep it as high level as we can, but if you are just not wanting to hear anything about it until after you finish the game, check out the timestamp on the screen to get past this section. Um, I will also make sure to put it in the description of the audio version. So if you're just listening and not watching, you can also fast forward past that. But if you don't care about spoilers or if you don't, uh, if you're okay with just general overview without actually getting into the story of the game, then keep listening. So, all right, 
Insomniac's plan for Spider-Man going forward in their games. So, the plan is that uh, any future Spider-Man games, Peter Parker will no longer be Spider-Man. It's only going to be Miles Morales. Now, Miles, Miles was introduced in the first Spider-Man game, um, in which he got his powers, I think, very late in the game, if I remember correctly. So that's, I guess it's a minor spoiler for the first game, but it's been years since that came out. So, I mean, that's... Anyone who's, who's paid attention to Spider-Man at all recently, movies and, and whatnot, knows Miles Morales is Spider-Man from that standpoint. Um, and then he had his own independent game, which was basically like a kind of like a DLC, but not really, because um, it was, you know, like 10, 15 hours long for the full game um, that came out uh, with the launch of the PS5, also on PS4, uh, both Spider-Man Remastered and uh, Miles Morales are on PC as well and play great on the Steam Deck, I will also say. Um, so then Spider-Man 2, which is the game that just came out, both Peter and Miles are playable throughout the game. So. Miles becoming Spider-Man, the only Spider-Man going forward. Now you, um, I, first of all, I want to ask you, um, I, I know you do some reading of comics. I'm not sure if it's just manga or if you do like actual like Marvel comics, that sort of thing, to where you have any familiarity with some of the backstory and all that. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely uh, read comic books. I haven't read so much of the newer stuff. I actually dropped out of reading newer stuff just because I wasn't fond of how certain characters mm -hmm. and how certain stories were going right. that I am familiar with. Uh, definitely like with like a lot of comic details. Okay. Now, um, it were you did you read any of the comics where where Miles was Spider Man? No, no, I never read uh, a comic book with Miles. In fact, I was when I first even heard of Miles being Spider Man, I was completely against that idea just because Peter Parker is Spider Man. He's always been Spider Man to me. He's only Spider Man, and it's even funny the fact that people always re never even refer to him as Spider Man. They always say Miles Morales just because you know when people hear Spider Man, they know who Spider Man's supposed to be. Right. And, uh, I mean, I I mean, I don't know if we're really going into the discussion right now, or if no, just no, like, go, general go. questions right no, now. No, you you go ahead and say everything that you want to say. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, so I'm pretty much against this whole idea, and I mean, if you've, I haven't discussed this so much in recent, uh, but I have discussed this before, like, it, if you know me, you know that I am very anti-Miles Morales, because I think that he's really not a good character, and I really think that there's no reason for Peter to be replaced as Spider-Man, um... I think that Peter has so many good stories to tell. There are so many stories that he ha has gone through that I think that trying to replace him does a complete disservice to his entire legacy. Um, I mean, even just go and like, I've even mentioned this before. I think I even mentioned this a year or so ago. I also started to be against the idea of all these sort of multiverses because of the fact that 
by having so many scenarios, it it waters down the core canon stories. Like the fact mm-hmm. that, for one thing, we have uh, Spider Gwen, and mm-hmm. I didn't like that because of the fact that going back to the original comics back in the Golden Age area, especially with the night that Gwen Stacy died, that moment really had an impact on Peter because a well, this was the second woman that he loved died um and not only that but he almost he was so upset about that he almost lost his sense of morality and beat the green goblin to death and only held back and he was so remorseful over what he did now granted the green goblin died because of his own hubris but the point is the fact that he almost snapped because of the result of that and that haunted him for a good deal throughout uh the issues for at least at least a while and then of course there was also the fact that there was that short cloning incident but the fact is the is that that one incident with Gwen Stacy had a huge impact on him and people by having this whole multiverse where hey Gwen Stacy is spider Gwen I think you're really just you're, you're really spinning in the face of like what happened before with uh with what happened with there and even ignoring all that, I I do think that certain characters can help out with main characters and have some roles. I mean, we've had that with uh, Robin, with Batman. We've had that with so many other characters. But have them be their own characters. Have them do their own things. Don't try to replace characters who have good stories and who are good characters that's one of the reasons why people like spider-man like or peter parker he's relatable i mean he's even though he didn't initially start off trying to do the right thing once he was trying to become spider-man was trying to learn about responsibility he still tried to do the right thing and it was tough on him i mean no matter which version you are reading whether it's the older uh golden age comics whether it's even the newer ones like the actual ultimate comics where uh he where boss morales later came on like he had it rough i mean in the ultimate storyline he was cocky and i i don't completely like peter's depiction because he is more i guess more brash than other versions but he still does try to do the right thing he still you, you do see him struggle and he does have his downs. Like he understands that sometimes his arrogance does cost him, uh, because especially early on in his career, he was unmasked uh, like pretty early on. Um, he was almost killed. He underestimated a lot of his enemies, and his relationships with both with with his family, with his friends. Like you saw that, and so because of that, you really st- still sort of rooting for him because he was that underdog character and to have that all be replaced by someone else I, I i really just don't like it and i knew we were sort of reaching that point because as soon as miles Mor- i learned that miles Morales was in the first spider-man game i knew it was only a matter of time before he was going to be in it and of course he got his own spin-off game uh and of course he was put in spider-man 2 now I've been really debating if I was even going to get the first Spider-Man game just because of the fact that I know that I'm not going to be solely Spider-Man. And I feel like in a Spider-Man game, 
that's the important thing. You should be Spider-Man. The only other right. time where actually I think it's fine where you're not playing Spider-Man in a Spider-Man game was Ultimate Spider-Man uh, from 2005. And that was only because you actually play as Venom, and that was pretty fun. And going back and forth between those two characters was great. But the thing is also you understand that you're Spider-Man, but you're also Venom. You are not just playing as anyone else. Right. With Spider-Man 2, you're Spider-Man, but you're also Miles Morales. And, or someone trying to pretend to be Spider-Man. Like, there's a whole lot of disconnect there, in my, in my opinion. So, I am really against Spider-Man being replaced in any of your Spider-Man games. Like, the only Spider-Man game that I would buy out of the ones that have been released, whether that's been, you know, Spider-Man 1, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2... Spider-Man 1 is the only one that I actually would buy because that's the only one where I feel like I would actually get a pure Spider-Man experience without having other content that I do not want. Yes, there is content in there that I wouldn't want. I don't want to have to play the Miles Morales sections. I do not want to have to play the Mary Jane sections. I believe that on PC there have there might be mods that allow you to skip those sections. I can't confirm that, but I thought I Maybe. heard something about I that. But either way, that's out of all three of those games, that's the only one that I feel best encompasses a Spider-Man experience. So if I were to eventually buy that game, and I would have to buy that one sale, uh, that would be the only one that I actually would want to play. Because Spider-Man 2, that's not it for me. Miles Morales goodness no that's not for me. that's not for me um so, so yeah i guess uh, to spoil it down i do not want this i do not think this is a great idea you're killing off a character that has years and years like give it 20 years or so a hundred years of history and you're just casting him off to the side for someone else, uh, for someone who is just a, I, I don't even want to say replacement because <laughs> you, he can't replace, Miles Morales cannot replace everything that Peter's done and has gone through. I mean, Peter has gone through the best times. He's he, he, from going solo, from having on and offs with the Fantastic Four, from being an on and off Avenger, from being with the X-Men, not being with the X-Men just because of that mutant uh, uh, difference there. There's so... He's gone through so much. Uh, he's gone off-world, especially with uh, the secret uh, secret origins when he first got his black suit. Like, he's gone through so much. He's got so much history. And it, it really just frustrates me. Um because I've grown up watching Spider-Man. He was, he's my favorite Marvel superhero. Um, not my favorite superhero, because that actually, that actually goes to Batman, but he's my favorite Marvel superhero. And mostly because of his good stories, because he's a fun character, because I, he, he, he's just been a blast to watch. And once I even started actually getting into comic books, he's been even great to read so 
it's because of this that I really am just against this whole idea, and I'm certain that Sony is dead set in their ways on keeping Miles Morales around. Yeah, like, it's actually... And this is also another reason why I never even saw the uh, Into the Spider-Verse films, because I, I, I already knew that Miles Morales was going to take a bigger lead, and... <laughs> From what I've even heard about how the first film ends, like they 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 did exactly what, I, or actually even worse than what I thought they were they would have done. So, yeah, those those are my thoughts. All right. Well, s- some of that I would say most of that wasn't really that surprising to me. Your your thoughts on the matter. Um, I know you uh, fall, at least uh, have bought comics from Eric July, uh, some of the Ripperverse comics, and I, I know his, I know his. I've heard his thoughts a lot on those, and it's basically exactly what you've said. Um, he, he, I think he's he's a, a little more harsh on the matter than you are, but um, yeah. So I agree with you in some ways and disagree with you in others. So I'm I'm just gonna lay it out here. So to start off, um, in terms of Miles Morales in general, I am not someone who, I, I don't like that aspect. I am not, however, bothered by the idea in general of having alternate universe versions of Spider-Man. Um, you know, having in this case with Miles that the reason why he became I mean that he became a Spider-Man after Peter died and um, that it's you know this alternate universe where like like a different a different version of Earth where Peter had died and then Miles took on the mantle of Spider-Man so I'm not bothered by that the Spider-Gwen thing I actually thought was an interesting concept Um just from the standpoint of, you know, looking at it, okay, if it had been that she got the powers and then Peter had died, and how that would affect have affected her, I just thought it was an interesting alternate universe concept. Um, I do definitely think I, I'm not saying that anything you've said is invalid. I'm just just giving my my opinions on the matter. So I I like some of that stuff. Some of that stuff I think is just interesting to me because I'm I'm a sucker for. For that kind of thing in general, uh, the Into the Spider Verse movie as an example. So in that one, I mean, it's it's not even something that happens at the end. It happens very very early in the movie, and so this doesn't really spoil anything because it's like early on in the movie that Peter dies, and I mean Miles had gotten his power shortly before that, and he has to take on the role of Spider Man. Although he ends up getting essentially trained by an alternate version universe alternate universe version of Peter as well as other alternate versions of Spider-Man um so from that standpoint like I actually thought that the way that they handled killing off Peter was better than it would than it could have been like it wasn't a situation like they they treated Peter with immense respect they treated that Spider-Man with immense respect and, you know, really put a lot of weight into 
Miles having to take on this mantle, which I thought was really good. Um, I definitely fully understand and respect your you're not wanting to watch it, that's perfectly fine. I don't think any less of you because of that. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. Um, now, in terms of them replacing Peter as Spider-Man in this game, I do want to make it clear, um, you, know, you, you made a comment earlier about Peter getting killed off for Spider-Man 2, and um, this doesn't really spoil anything, but I will I will say Peter does not die in Spider-Man 2. That's all I'm going to say. He doesn't die, but he does basically retire um, at the end. So I guess that, that is a spoiler. Um, but I did say this was going to be a spoiler section. So I'm, I'm not going to get into what led to this point, all that. I'll leave, I'll leave that alone. Um, I might even just cut out this part because I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not spoiling anything for anybody who still wants to play the game. So, so the Peter does get is getting replaced by Miles, and it's not, in my opinion, a respectful transition. Uh, the way that they treat Peter is not respectful. It is not respectful in the way that I, I felt Into the Spider-Verse was respectful of Peter as a character of Spider-Man and, you know, made the weight of this sig much more significant. I do not believe that they did that with Spider-Man 2, knowing the story. And I'm not going to talk about the story. I'm just going to say that I don't believe that they respected him as a character, um, which is the one reason I am very much against this. Now... That being said, I will say that I like Miles as a character in the Insomniac Spider games, at least the first two. I thought that, I mean, I will say, yes, the the stealth missions where you play as Miles and um, Mary Jane, especially Mary Jane, because she's, I mean, Mary Jane is insufferable in the first game. Like, the only redeeming quality of Mary Jane in that first game is that she's pretty. That's it. That's the only redeeming quality of that character. Because she is one of the worst women I have ever had the displeasure of listening to. She, she's just awful. Um, and playing as her is even worse. Miles, at least, while doing his stealth missions in that game are not an enjoyable experience, something that I if I had known that there was a way to skip it, I would have um, at least as a character, he's likable and um, is he is he likable in the same way as Peter? No, I, I think he, he's, he's different because Peter has, has very much developed as a character prior to this game because he's been Spider-Man for eight years. You know he's very much developed his sense of humor and everything else. I mean he's he's talking about uh, he, he goes into this thing very early on in the game where occasionally he'll I mean he he is in communication with one of like the main detectives at, um, with the NYPD and he, he goes into this character Spider Cop and it's just like it's fantastic. Um, and I'll just say. This representation of Peter and Spider-Man in the first game is probably the best representation I've ever seen of Spider-Man. Because they they nail both the presentation of 
Spider-Man as wisecracking and you know powerful and everything else, while still also nailing Peter as a character, and not feeling like you have him good at one thing and not at the other. Whereas like with the movie versions of Spider-Man, you basically had kind of like you haven't really had one that nailed everything perfectly. Like Tobey Maguire nailed Peter Parker, but didn't really nail Spider-Man. Um, then you had Andrew Garfield, who did not nail Peter Parker at all, but nailed Spider-Man pretty well. And then you have Tom Holland, who's kind of, he's the best of both worlds of the three, but still is just not quite right. But the Insomniac version of Spider-Man in the first game, Spider-Man and Peter Parker, is excellent. Extremely well done. And Miles is much more an kind of like a naive, inexperienced sort of character, and he's kind of growing into it. Like, the the first game, he's... I mean, he's completely new to it, so he's, like, constantly uh, trying to get help from Peter after, you know, the, the it's discovered that he has powers and everything, and um, I, I won't get too much into that, but, you know, and then he... In the second game, he ends up being mostly solo, and he's having to learn a lot on his own. Um, but like you, when I, when I knew that Miles was going to be in this game, I, I also believed it was only going to be a matter of time before they replaced him, um, when it came to this, but I, I really, I thought after playing both the first game and Miles Morales that it was going to be something that if it was going to happen, it would happen in a better way. And I was hoping that it would be more like maybe Spider-Man 3, you know, that's when they when they get to the point where you you actually like Peter gets full on replaced and technically that's what they're doing, but they're just not doing it in a way that's respectful to the character. Um and of course him also retiring at 25 doesn't make any sense. It's like uh, you know, never mind, with great power comes great responsibility, so I'm just going to go do something else. That doesn't make sense, but the the one thing that really came up for me, so playing Miles Morales, he felt better than Peter. Like, his powers were better than Peter's. And that, like, I, I, I it was both a lot, it was a lot of fun to play as Miles because of his different powers. But I was definitely concerned that they were going to, that it was basically going to be, because Miles feels so much better than Peter, they're not going to find a way to make that, make them equally fun to play. Like, to where you have advantages with one, but weaknesses, and then you have different weaknesses and strengths with the other character. Um, And that, I mean... If they had done that, then that could have worked really well. I don't think that's what they did. And, I, of course, I haven't played Spider-Man 2, but from everything I've heard, uh, I'm pretty sure that Miles is still the one who plays better than Peter because his his powers are just better. But it's, uh, it's he, he's overpowered, basically, is, is what it really comes down to. Uh, Peter feels much more like Spider-Man as we know him, whereas Miles feels different because he has different powers. Um, I 
I don't like the fact that they've done this. And my reasons are are different than yours because I was I wasn't initially against the character of Miles. Um I I but I don't like the way that they treated Peter in Spider-Man 2. And the of course if you watched any of the the videos that I sent you with like some of the interviews from uh what was that guy's name? Um Brian Intahar um the decisions that they made in these games it's it's about agenda I think it's about pushing an agenda um basically doing a bait and switch is is what they were doing with, with a lot of stuff and then you know taking what was easily the most hated thing about the first game and doubling down on it, even to some extent tripling down. Um, and then, I guess you know the one the one thing I will say about what they did to Mary Jane's appearance from the first game is they basically made her outside match her inside. So <laughs> that's uh, that's essentially what I can say about Mary Jane. Uh, but you know, it's like. That's the kind of woman that you only want to be with if you hate yourself. And I mean, if you were if you were verbally abused by your mother, or you know whatever your uh, parental figure was growing up, then you would want to be with someone like Mary Jane. And that's really the only way that you would want to be with someone like that. Otherwise, you would be insane. So basically, um, I wouldn't say she's as bad as Amber Heard. Um, because Amber Heard was insane, but she's definitely an awful human being and someone that I would never want to be anywhere near, especially once the, uh, her, her insides caught up with her outside or, you know, vice versa. Outsides caught up with her inside. But that's going off on a side tangent. The whole point is that I don't I don't like the fact that they are getting rid of Peter when they should have not done they shouldn't do that. Now there's been suggestions from uh, particularly like uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch Alex's video on on the situation, but you know some of the, some of the story suggestions he had for what they could do for a third Spider-Man game to actually make it work, or what they could have done for that matter with this game to actually make it work better. Um, I like Alex's ideas. I think his his ideas are great. But um, even still, at this point, I've already decided I'm not going to be playing Spider-Man Two. I I played the, I played the first game. I played Miles Morales. I enjoyed both a great deal. I platinumed the first game on PS4 and then got the got all achievements uh, for both Spider-Man Remastered and Miles Morales on PC and. I am not going to touch Spider-Man 2 with a 10-foot pole. Unless they can figure out a way to, and modders can figure out a way to completely get rid of the Mary Jane sections and um, uh, no, there's no way they can fix this. It's just they'd have to basically gut the game and figure out a way to change the ending and everything else, and I don't think there's any way to do that, so 
Anyway, that's enough about that. Um, any other thoughts on this topic? Uh, just one, actually, one last thing, sort mm -hmm. of uh, to agree with what you said. There, I think there could be times where changing a character, a character's origin, can work. And I think the best example of this is actually Mr. Freeze. Uh, back in his original comic sto story, he was just a pretty much run-of-the-mill villain. But then once... Uh, Batman the Animated Series came mm -hmm. out, and they actually gave him that background right. of he was a scientist trying to cure his wife after mm -hmm. uh, what happened with him and his company and getting into the accident, which made him the way he is. That solidified his origin from there on. Right. So I definitely think that there can... So I, I want to say that you can reinvent a character, but I think that you should only do it if there's a good reason to and only right. if you're actually going to do well by the character because right. otherwise if you're just going to take something that's great and distort it then you should really just leave it alone right and in general i would definitely agree with you um i think that i mean obviously mr freeze is a great example even though uh the the arnold schwarzenegger version of mr freeze was probably <laughs> much more I mean, it, technically, I think I think they did still have that origin story, but at the same time, also made because of all the ice puns. Essentially, he was he was the original version of Mister Freeze rather than the animated series version. But um, I I I'm I'm fine with them changing the origin when it's just like basically a one-off thing. Like a what if the you know this alternate universe? This is this is what happened instead. You know. Um, I don't know anything really about uh, Spider-Man 2099 other than the fact that I've always loved the suit design. Um, I know that at least in the the new Spider-Verse movie, even though I haven't seen it yet, that they did, that he is, um, I believe he's Hispanic. I could be wrong yeah, on that. I, I, yeah, I believe uh, Miguel O'Hara, I think, is, I think is his name. So actually, I guess, yeah. I guess maybe he's like probably half Irish or whatever, but um, I, I don't know if that was his original origin or not because obviously this is a future version of spider-man i don't even know if he was like essentially multiple spider-man happen over time or if it's just like this is 2099 and this is the first spider-man and he's just a completely different character that one is actually just a future so the so spider-man has happened before our okay spider-man we know but it's pretty much just like in the future um i think it's sort of like the same there, there was this, uh, samples of the original Spire that turned Peter gotcha. into Spider-Man. Okay. And, and he was a scientist working on that project, and okay. he uh, got the powers. That's was was it still that uh, Miguel O'Hara guy or someone else? It was still M Miguel O'Hara. He, okay. he was the original Spider-Man 2099 okay. that was from the future. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um... Wow, we've been talking longer than I thought we had. <laughs> um, Alright, so let's just... We'll just stop talking about that topic, because that's not entirely a positive. I mean, I feel like there's a good balance in, in how we both feel about it, even though we both agree that we don't really like the idea of Peter Parker being replaced. And I especially don't because I thought he was such... so well done in the first Spider-Man game. But anyway... Let's move on into a much lighter topic. 
And that is simply uh, Game Awards is coming up next month, and they haven't yet revealed the nominees. I don't think they'll be out before this comes out on Friday. Um, but I just thought it might be kind of fun to talk about what we think might be in those coveted six slots for the Game of Year nominees. Because 2023 has been a stacked <laughs> year. I mean, this has been... There have been so many games that have come out this year. Um, I mean, good and bad, but mostly, I mean, a, a lot of good games. A lot more games that could fall into those categories. So, um, have you thought much about this? Like, what what games you think might make that that list? Okay. Yeah, so... I based on like what I've seen and what I've heard, I I'm I'm hoping that I can get to six. I mean, there I definitely should be able to get mm-hmm. to six. But I think that the six games that will be in there, at least in the categories, I don't know mm-hmm. what will definitely fit uh, Game of the Year. But I think the six games that will be nominated will be Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Right. Um, I think that one. I, I think we already pretty much knew as soon as it was coming out that mm-hmm. it was going to be there. Um, from what I've heard, I think that this will be their uh, Baldur's Gate 3, just right. because that got a lot yeah. of uh, critical acclaim. I think Spider-Man 2 will be in there. Um, Probably. Just despite, you know... I don't want it to be there, that, but you I know. That, I, think that it, I think that it's going to be there. Um, maybe Diablo 4. Maybe. I, I, went, I, I almost feel like it might week in there but i it might not but i feel like it might somehow shift its way in there um game number five oh gosh i just had this game on my mind and it slipped me <laughs> um oh it oh um star wars uh jedi survivor i think people like that enough that it's going to fit in there um although strangely Hmm. I don't know. Because, I mean, I know that people definitely seem to like it when it came out. Yeah, it had a lot of performance uh, issues, but I think that they basically ironed all those out. Okay. So, like, that could be there. And as far as the sixth game, I'm not entirely certain just because I haven't... Well, actually, let me see. Because... I feel like I'm missing something that came out this year that was really big that people really enjoyed. Not that a game that necessarily has to be a big game to get game of the year, but I feel like I'm missing something because I. I once you once you down. Br- bring up a, a list of all the games that came out this, I mean all the all the games that released this year, if you can find one, or at least you know all the big games, and maybe you can even share your screen on that so I can look at that as well because I. I didn't get a chance to look this up, and I feel like there's definitely some games I'm forgetting. I know there's some that I haven't, or that I'm thinking of that you haven't mentioned, but... Right, like, let me go ahead and... Go ahead and share this here. And let me know if you can see it now or not. Let's see here. Yeah, it's it's loading. Okay, yep. So, wait, why is it? 
So yeah, so games that came out, of course, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3. Why is Witcher 3 showing up? Uh, it's yeah. just a complete edition um, that came oh, out. Guys, uh, it came on Xbox Series X. Um, Oh, Resident Evil 4. That's probably something that could show up. Uh, it might be. It might, it might show up. I know that people liked it a lot. Um, yeah, it really does. There's a lot of games that doesn't have re listed here. It's weird. Yeah. Maybe maybe let's let's try try looking at a different list. Is oh I know why it's because because of the way that it had it listed. Um, let's see what's one. Let's let's go back to that Wikipedia article real quick and just uh, take a look at it because I, I think that there might have been stuff further down. Okay, uh, so the, these are just the critically acclaimed titles. There's okay, that that makes a whole lot of sense then. But I mean, like they this I don't think it even had like Mario listed or anything, which you know, says something considering the fact that those. Yeah, like here's all January. I'm not seeing anything that stands out in January. Um, nothing really for, well, that might actually, uh, here's something that might possibly get on that list is the, um, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Legacy. Legacy yeah, that's a big one. Enjoyed that one. So that's something that actually might get on there. Um, not really seeing anything that I think would... Possibly grab the spot. There's again Resident Evil. Um, that just made the screen Okay. Never mind. I was trying to see if I could get away with bringing up my browser window without it messing with the picture here, but it's not letting me do that. So maybe I'll just have to. And maybe I'll just bring it up and then move it up, move it over to a different screen so I can look at mm. it. Okay. Oh, now, I don't know. Well, I haven't heard too many reviews on this, so I don't know. Maybe Final Fantasy 16. I don't know mm -hmm. how well that did or how people thought about that. Um, but I know that's a larger game. Okay, let's see here. Oh, for Spoken, that'll definitely be Game of the Year. <laughs> and... Metroid Prime Remastered was excellent, that, but but it won't that, it won't be in the list because it's because it's a remaster. Uh, okay, okay, that actually. Would probably be my game of the year. And in fact, I was even wondering, I, I said to myself, I don't think I even played that many games that released this year. But yeah. then I saw that. But I think the only reason that won't be there is just because of the fact that it's a It's just remaster, a remaster, yeah. So that won't qualify. Right. But we know where it stands with me. It's game of the year in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here. Yeah, it seems like there's not really too much more that I'm seeing, surprisingly, that I, or at least nothing that I would say, 
yeah, I could see that, that this would somehow end up being a nominee. Mm-hmm. So, so I think definitely Zelda is going to be there. Um, Zelda's going to be there. I definitely feel like Baldur's Gate might mm -hmm. be there. Right. Um, looking at it now, Resident Evil 4 will probably be there. Um, and... Oh gosh, I can't even remember what one of the other games that I mentioned was. Oh, and um, Hogwarts Legacy might be there as well. That that's that's just based on what I see. Right. Now I could be surprised and see something that's smaller up here, yeah. and that would that that would be kind of cool. Uh, and that did happen with what was it? No Way Out. Uh, not No Way Out. Um, it takes two. It takes two. One game of the year. Yeah. So. If something like that happened, that would be kind of cool to see. Yeah, you did, you did mention Spider-Man 2 as well was one of the ones you mentioned. Oh yeah, Spider-Man 2. That definitely... So uh, then there's just one one last one. That, what, what, what do you think would be on there? Uh, I guess you did mention Diablo 4, but I don't know if you still want to put that one on there or something else. I'm going to replace Diablo 4 with Final Fantasy 16. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like just because that's a... Again, I feel like I haven't really heard too much about that game uh, after it was released. Yeah. But I'm guessing that it wasn't bad. Otherwise, I probably would have heard more about that part. Yeah, I mean, it had, so had pretty positive reception. So I think that'll probably be there then. Okay. Alright, well, um, let's see here. My, the six games I think will be in there, um, as much as it pains me, Spider-Man 2 will probably be in there. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking all of a sudden. Baldur's Gate 3, Zelda, um, I think Starfield could make it. Um, oh, gosh, e even though, I, I mean, it, it, o it only got in the 80s, but it, it was a really big game. And it still is, it's still a pretty big game. So I, I think that that one, at least in my opinion, will probably, I mean, it could definitely make it. But it might get pushed out because of how many big games there were this year. Um, let's see here, what else we got? Um, Ghost Runner 2 should be in there, but it's not going to be. Um, <laughs> Robbed. So Um, and I know that there's something I'm forgetting about. I'm going to say probably, I will say Resident Evil 4, like, I, I, I've heard it's amazing, but I feel like because of the fact that it's a remake, it might not make the list, especially because of how many other big games have come out this year. Um, so I'm not going to put that on mine, on my predictions. Um, but let's see here. I think did did I say Hogwarts Legacy? I don't think I, I did. I don't think so. Okay, so Hogwarts Legacy will be the next one I'll say. Okay. And then the um what was the last one? Like I know I'm forgetting some games here. 
And that, that's really bothering me because it's like, I know that there's something specific that I had in mind. Um, oh, um, Mario Wonder. Oh, okay. But I will say, if they want to have something that's an indie darling, because they usually have like some indie game, and depending on whether or not they count Baldur's Gate 3, because Baldur's Gate 3 is technically an indie. But if they're not counting Baldur's Gate 3 as an indie, then I think Sea of Stars could be that indie darling that they that's put true. in there. Because it did get very positive reviews. Uh, speaking of which, I forgot to mention, I did pre-order the physical version of that from PlayAsia. So that's supposed okay. to be coming next month. I'm excited about it. Especially because I, you know, I've heard it's an incredible game and it's very, very reminiscent of Chrono Trigger, which is, of course, my favorite <laughs> game of all time. So, but yeah, I, I know that there's something else I'm forgetting in here. Um, and obviously, like most of these games, I wouldn't even say are in my games of the year, but um, definitely... That, that's that's what I'm going to say. So, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Hogwarts Legacy, Starfield, and I'm just going to say Mario Wonder. That's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm sure that I know that there's at least a couple games. I mean, even looking through this list, like, I'm just seeing titles and I'm not remembering what's what's in there. But, but yeah, I, I do think that... Oh, Alan Wake 2, I forgot about that. That could potentially get in there, because they did have Control make it in. But um I actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna replace Mario Wonder with Alan Wake 2. Oh. I've heard good things. Of course, I don't know how how political I mean how much of the preachy stuff it gets in there. I've heard that there might be some of that, but I I'll have to judge for myself later on. I may even end up looking up the story since it's going to be a long time before it comes up comes to Steam anyway. But anyway, yes, recommendations and dissuasions. Go what? Go ahead. All right. Uh, this is going to be sort of a themed thing for me this week. So, recommendation is a book, and that is *The Body in the Library* by Agatha Christie. If you are a mystery fan, you will definitely enjoy this. this is my first. Miss Marple story. I've normally been reading her Hercule Poirot series as well as her individual works, uh, but this is my first time reading a Miss Marple book. I'm enjoying it so far. I still have a little bit more left to read, but I've definitely enjoyed this one. And just, you know, as a book lover, having a murder in a library is a pretty interesting thing to me. All right. Uh, my recommendation for this week is going to be. I think I'm just going to stick with the same recommendation I had last week, which is Ghost Runner 2. I recommend it even more highly now than I did before. Um, very, very, very much so. Um, yeah, it's just such a stellar game. It's not very long. It's hard, but fair. And it's it's well worth your time. So, um, both games. Especially, I mean... If you want, you can watch out for a discount, but I will say if you if you buy the first game or the second game, either way, buy with the soundtrack, because the soundtracks on these games are phenomenal. They are so good, and they're well worth listening to. They're just, it's just great music in general. Uh, Dissuasions. 
All right, Dissuasion, another book one. This is Do Not Read Batman Reptilian. I recently got this from my library because I thought, hey, this looks like it's going to be a pretty good Batman story about sort of Batman's first encounter with, say, Killer Croc. It wasn't necessarily that. Um, also, the artwork, while I am used to something that's more different and I guess sort of avant-garde, sort of like how the Batman Arkham Asylum comic book was different than a typical style, I wasn't really a fan of this art style. Additionally, around halfway through the story, even though it's the premise is very good, it gets weird and weird enough to the point where I was just, yeah, I, 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 I don't like this anymore. So. Do not read Batman Reptilian. Alright. And my dissuasion is do not skip the epilogue for Red Dead Redemption 2. You... I, I know of someone who not long ago finished the story, the main story for it, and decided to stop short of going through the epilogue, and that is just... That is a huge mistake. Do not skip the epilogue. It's not very long. Take you probably a few hours to get through and it's well worth your time especially um, if you have any interest in playing the first Red Dead Redemption but yes, don't skip the epilogue alright so I think that's it now alright, any other thoughts before we close out for the night? no sir, no sir alright, so where can people find you? They can find me at my channel, I am Zeracon. That is I A M X C R A C O N. Or if you want to just type in youtube.com slash at I am Zeracon. All right, and you can find me on youtube.com slash at the Frozen Gamer 87. Hey, I didn't mess it up this time. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know how much I'll be putting out new content anytime soon. I don't think I'm going to be breaking up my live stream necessarily because I did realize that some of the quality is just not quite up to my standards in terms of how it looked and I realized it's just because that's how it ended up streaming. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know I don't know what if any new content I'm going to be putting up for a while but either way um, I did do that 24 hour uh, charity stream for Stack Up, and uh, if you'd like to donate to that charity, provides uh, games and uh, services to veterans who need help with uh, dealing with PTSD. Uh, you can find the links to that in the description of my 24-hour live stream in the uh, four parts that it's broken up into. Uh, alternatively, you could also donate to my Extra Life campaign as well, which I didn't raise as much money for yet, but I did that back in March. That was another 24-hour stream, and uh, you can definitely donate to that if you would like. Um, that that stream is also broken up into, I believe, probably four parts as well, just because of, I think at one point I had to... I can't remember if it was that um, everything, like a lost power, or if it was that... It was just that I had audio issues and had to restart my computer, but either way, it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's all I got to say for that. So, so I am the Frozen Gamer 87. That is I am Zeracon. We are the Orange Box Podcast. And until next time, 
don't count your chickens before you go to Chick-fil-A. I don't know. Have a good weekend. Um, Orange Box Podcast, out.